Celebrating eternal freedom is our theme today. I want to back up into our national experience as well, because it all blends. In our Constitution, we have such a beautiful statement about who we are as a nation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding forefathers got that from God. That's the scripture. That's what God says. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have an amazing foundation on which to build. The patriots involved in the American Revolution were amazing in their forethought, in their passion to try to chart a new path one that's probably never been built like this one that we are experiencing today. At the same time, we understand that even in the amazing nature of what they had to offer and the gifts, we're flawed people. Our forefathers were flawed as well. When we say that, we're not putting ourselves over anyone. We recognize our own. We're flawed as well, and we're seeking to put those flaws before God and say, make us better. We want to grow. We want to become all you want us to be. And in that, we put even the joyful reality of our nation's freedom before God and say, God, help us to get better. We can live up to these statements in a more honorable way than we have up until now. We can always make progress. July 4th should be a day when we renew our determination to strive for justice and liberty for all. Liberty and justice for all is the statement in our pledge to our flag. We pledge allegiance. And we want that. We want that for everybody. This day presents us the opportunity to check in and see how we're doing with the task that our forefathers left in our hands. We're always seeking to live up to it, live into it, and we can do better. Let's check in today and see where we are so that we recognize our flaws and say, we want to improve on where we're at. We want the statements of our forefathers to actually come to fruition in every way that they meant it to, that God's will would prevail and that we truly would see all men created equal. We recognize we're a work in progress and that our symbols are of ideals and principles. They're not of a snapshot of who we, who, who we are in the past, who we are right now, but they're a picture of who we want to be and where we're going and what God wants to do to make us that way. One of the great challenges facing our community today is the growing homeless population. Every one of us are aware of it, I'm assuming. Even just driving here today, I passed tents and tarps and areas where people were sleeping last night on the street. We have them right across the street from our church. There's some tents on the other side of a fencing on the other side of our property, right up against Mayhew. They've been there now for weeks. There are times where we have some of our team go and see if we can help. And we drive down Folsom Boulevard, and it's stunning how many are now camping on the street in ways we'd never seen before. This is a growing challenge and trial, not only here in Sacramento, but in all of California, 
All the major cities are experiencing this at a whole nother level. And there's a lot that are pressing into saying, what can we do? We need to do better. Why? Because these truths need to actually come to bear for all people. If we're all created equal, and this is a land of hope and opportunity, there's some that are living far below what the intent is for what this land represents. Is there anything that we can do to lift them out of their trial and help them find a new footing and a new standing? If this is our passion as a land of freedom, we thank God for our liberty and for our safe haven, yet we're not to hoard it. We're to seek to find a way to make this possible for those around us. When I was experiencing homelessness for a couple of weeks, I stumbled across a beautiful statue that was displayed on our Capitol grounds of the Sisters of Mercy, a story I'm sure you're familiar with by now in this book, Incarnate, Jesus Among the Broken, tells the story of the efforts that we were in together as a church family, helping raise awareness for the homeless. I was wanting to learn what the experience is like, what are people going through, and as I walked the streets of Sacramento downtown for a couple of weeks, I came across things I hadn't seen before. One of them was on the Capitol grounds. Beautiful place here in our city. The Capitol itself is an iconic image that shows the value of the state and of this land. It's beautiful. It's majestic. It sits in proximity when you look from the Capitol down Capitol Avenue toward the river. It lines right up with the Tower Bridge, another iconic symbol in our city. When you see people represent Sacramento, they'll usually have a picture of the Tower Bridge painted gold. It's right at the end of the lane that connects right up to the Capitol. There's something symbolic about all of that. As I walked around the Capitol grounds on occasion, beautiful. There's rose gardens there, there's a large property, there's shade. There's public restrooms in the park of the Capitol grounds. That was one of the reasons I walked around there often. And in finding my way around the Capitol, I stumbled across the statue of the Sisters of Mercy. I didn't know that it existed. I hadn't seen it before. Didn't even know exactly what that meant. The Sisters of Mercy arrived in San Francisco on December the 8th, 1854. They were responding to San Francisco's great need. There were un untended sick. There were destitute people, abused women, orphaned children, uneducated persons. And these sisters were known as the walking nuns. They walked around the city of San Francisco finding people to help, to liberate from places of despair. They visited shanties where people were living county hospitals, and were the first females to visit a state penitentiary. They visited San Quentin Prison. These were some courageous leaders among our community, and they made their way from San Francisco to Sacramento. And in 1857, during the days of the gold rush, people thought they were coming here to get wealthy, and there were many that stayed in poverty and didn't find the wealth that they were looking for, and sickness hit this city as well, and the Sisters of Mercy came to attend to those 
children that were in desperate places and to the homeless. And that statue, I think we have a shot of it that is there. This is what I stumbled across, and it is beautiful. I paused there to read inscriptions as to what it was about, and it shows the Sisters of Mercy caring for the sick, the orphans, and this is a symbol of the kind of compassion that God has for all people. It's a symbol of what this nation was meant to be, a place that everybody is equal, a place that everyone can find a pathway to victory. I was invited to a meeting that took place two days ago working on homeless issues in our community. It was a follow-up to a meeting I'd been in about a month or two ago. This one, Mayor Steinberg was attending, City Council member Rick Jennings, some other members of the mayor's staff, some persons from the county offices, some other faith leaders, a Jewish rabbi, a Muslim leader, some other Christian pastors, about 20 people. One of the persons organizing this is Dr. Vismara. He's becoming a, a dear friend to me in the journey, and he's making sure that I'm at the table. Before coming to the meeting, Dr. Vismara contacted me and said, would you bring about 20 copies of your book? I'd like everybody at the meeting to get one. I wouldn't have done it on my own. Those things are awkward for me. I didn't want this meeting to be about my effort or mission. And yet he had read the book and he believed it was helpful for others. So I brought a box and set them off to the side coming into the room. And Rabbi Taff, he's a dear brother who I've known in this community for years, one of the most respected rabbis. He's now retired I had sent him a copy of the book and had forgotten that I had. And as he came into the room, he came in carrying the book. Surprised me. I didn't know why he would do that. And he sits down at the table with these other leaders and starts telling them how important this book is and that everybody needs to read it. It was like a weird experience for me all of a sudden. When he finished talking, Rick Jennings, city council member, picked up on that and started talking about how his wife is reading it in his house, is keeping her up at night and getting her up in the morning. And he also advocated for everyone reading the book. And then Dr. Vismara said the same and how he read it in one sitting, felt like everyone should have one, turned to me. I just said, hey, he asked me to do this, so there's a copy here for everybody if you want one. It's the heart of Jesus for hurting people incarnate Jesus among the broken. And here we are in a meeting that's not a religious meeting. It's a meeting trying to bring our community together of civic leaders, different faiths, business leaders, county and city advisors. And it's unusual because these entities find it difficult to actually blend and work together. Politics is a whole nother dimension of trying to figure life out. And when money is involved, that becomes a whole other issue. The city has its amount of money to direct to homelessness. The county has another pocket of it. The federal government pours it into both the city and the county. And then it's hard for these government institutions to think that money should go to faith communities because 
of separation of church and state issues and all these things are challenging trying to work together. But here I found myself two days ago at the table with an effort to see what we could do to come together. Mayor Steinberg earlier last week had a State of the City address, was noted in the newspaper, and he made a statement at that in that address that he reiterated in our meeting. Today, I propose that our city be the first to enact both a legal right to safe shelter and housing and a parallel obligation for unsheltered people to accept that shelter and housing when it is offered. He's saying, in essence, everybody deserves a place to live. It should be a human right. And if we can provide that, and there's enough places for everyone, then it should be the obligation that everyone accepts that place that they have to live and there should be an enforcement, legal enforcement that people shouldn't be allowed to live out on the street. And that makes sense. Some people don't know how to get that out of their mind that that's what they should do, but it's safer always to be sheltered. It was a right step to take. Then I read in also the paper this week, Kevin Faulkner, the mayor of San Diego, He's also running for governor at this season. He said, in essence, the same thing. I fundamentally believe that every human being in California has a right to shelter. I also believe that when we provide it, they have an obligation to use it. So here are two mayors, one here, one in San Diego, virtually saying the same thing. There's a synergy coming around. We need to figure out how to fix this problem. It's only getting worse, even as more money is being thrown at the challenge, it's not helping. We need to find a different path. After he shared and then he turned to me to say, what did I think the faith community could do? And I said, one thing I'm thinking of, just personally, is we have an empty piece of property, right? On our, on our land, we own it, where the digital sign is, right across Micron by the freeway. It's about a four to five acre piece of ground it's in our master plan, but we're not going to develop it anytime soon. We could use that. They're looking for places to put some temporary shelters, trying to find more and more places around the city. One of our challenges is that we have a Sacramento address where the church sits, but we're not in city limits. So the city can't connect with us, but the county can. We're in the county, and the county supervisor has been very friendly to us and helpful in our journey so we can work with the county. And the county and city are trying to find new ways to work together, and they were together at the table. I said, I'd like to make that piece of ground available. Anything that can be done, if we can put tiny homes or some kind of shelters there, perhaps we could build a community garden and grow food for those who even live there. There's space. We could do some creative things. What could we do? And they started talking about that's possible, and let's see, we have some follow-up things to do to see if we can't do that. And I thought, how good would it be if we had people that need help living on our property that then us, we, people of faith, can find ways to volunteer to come alongside of them and work with them to get from where they are to completely reliable places, help them with job learning, help them with getting into permanent housing, we could see a funnel coming through this property right here, and we have a new mission on our hearts of what we can do together. 
To me, I just I get chills when I start to thinking about what we can potentially do. And they were tracking with that thought. And then one of the county leaders said, we're interested in having churches get involved. Even there aren't you know, as many like you that have that kind of property. But there are a lot of churches that maybe they could offer up four to six parking spaces in their parking lot that we could bring. There's some people living in cars and vans that they could park there or an RV. We could find ways that any church could maybe give about four to six spaces and we could find them all over town. And so I said to them, I can offer you my services that I have relationship and equity with a lot of faith leaders and I'll do my part to talk to them and you just need to give me a talking sheet. What do people need to do? Tell me what can be done. Give me a one sheet talking sheet and I'll go to everybody that I know and see what we can do to get more churches involved. And I started just thinking of the math. What if we had 100 churches and there's far more that could? 100 churches that took care of six homeless people every night on their grounds. You're talking about 600 people all of a sudden in a place where there's safety in those churches could also have their church members coming alongside those six homeless people and helping them get from where they are to where they need to be. We need to help each other out here. We need some mental health experts and we need some addiction specialists and we need some people that just know that somebody's just down on their luck and we can come alongside and help them. And there was a synergy in that meeting like I've never experienced in my journey here in Sacramento that there could be some things happen. We have a follow-up meeting this week to talk further about that. I'm giving you something that's very fresh and it's not developed and I'm prayerful that it will. And I ask you to pray with me that God will give wisdom and vision. And one of the things that I found, even as we were sharing in this, that there's something about the timing of what God has put in our hands in our fellowship. If you haven't picked this up yet, it's available for you for free. Pick one up in the lobby. There's a message in here that if every soul can get a hold of it and we simply see the value of every human being, it's all about what's in our constitution of our country, that everybody is created equal and has unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And there's some people that can't find their way, but we can help them. We can come alongside. We can make this a more perfect union with God's help, that he's the one that will make it perfect when we put our life into his hands. I haven't given you any scripture yet. So let me, usually we do the scripture first. We're gonna put the caboose on this message with the scripture. Matthew chapter three, verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus got baptized. Today, we have an opportunity for baptism. At least once in the summer, we have what we call submerged in the fountain. It gives a special opportunity to be out together, whoever's being baptized, we can gather around. There's food trucks that you can just fellowship around as well. Out after this, we dismiss in a moment. If you came today wanting to be baptized, this is the perfect day. If you 
didn't come thinking about that, we've got you covered. We've got shorts, T-shirts, towels. We have you covered. You can be spontaneously involved in the baptism today if it's something that interests you. Jesus showed us the way in being baptized, and he tells us this is what we should do. Matthew 28, in verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. His kingdom is not going to end. He's going to be with us all the way to the end of this age, but right into the next one. His kingdom lives forever. And he's called us to reach everybody we can with the message of his love and then baptize them. Baptism is a beautiful symbol of a spiritual reality that happens in our life. Colossians chapter 2 defines that spiritual reality really well for us. Colossians 2 and verse 15 or verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. This is what the symbol of water baptism is when we go under. Why we baptize by immersion or submersion. We are buried with Jesus in baptism. Jesus was buried, died for our sins. That sinful past is buried. And when we go into the waters of baptism, we go under the water, we are identifying with his burial for our sins. And in that sense, our old life is buried. Our sin sin nature, we say, you're down. You're put down. You're gone from us now. You're buried. We identify with that burial of our sinful life in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Buried with him in baptism, raised with him through the power of his resurrection from the dead. So we don't hold anybody under. It's not a test to see how long you can hold your breath. It's quick. We're down, we're up, we're resurrected to newness of life in Christ. We identify with the fact that I am a new creation. The old has been covered and is passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We have new life in Christ. Water baptism shows us that beautiful reality. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing triumphing over them in him. Jesus has won the victory in what he did on the cross for us. Our spiritual debt is canceled. Celebrate that today. Your spiritual debt is canceled. He paid for it. You don't have to pay it. It's already paid. Our sins are buried with Jesus forever. All our baptism does is identify symbolically with something that's already accomplished in reality by Jesus' death and burial in the tomb for our sins. Our sins are buried with Jesus forever. We're given new life through Jesus' resurrection and power. We rise to new life with Jesus forever also. The old life dead and gone, the new life forever alive. We're going to be with Jesus from this day all the way into eternity We have eternal freedom. This is the reality of what Jesus has done for us. 
If you want to step into that today, it's a prayer away. If you would like to get baptized today, we'd love to celebrate baptism with you. In a moment, I'll dismiss those who would like to be baptized, and then we're just going to worship with another song or two. I'll speak a blessing over you. We have a, a song to celebrate America's freedom before we go. But we release those who want to get baptized to just get ready for that, and then those who want to can join out there with our staff, our pastors that will be baptizing. Let's pray. If you're ready to receive Jesus' grace, it covers you. Pray for him to do that right now. Father God, I thank you for your love. Thank you for your offer to forgive us. And right now we say yes to that. Just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for dying for me. I accept the gift of your sacrifice. Thank you for nailing my sins to the cross that they're gone from me, buried with you. Thank you that you rose from the dead to give me new life as well. I accept that gift of everlasting life. I want to follow you. Thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name, amen.